Welcome to Fuck Small Talk. Before we get into today's episode, we'd just like to chat with you about a few things. First, most of the content on this podcast is our opinion, and we don't really do extensive research before the episodes. Second, you may not agree with our opinion, but that's okay. Friendly reminder that you're choosing to listen to this. You can choose not to agree. We still love you anyways. Now, without further ado, let's fuck small talk. There's this video. Feel free to just start it. Okay, good. There's this way ahead. There's this video. He knows me so well. My mom asked that on the phone. She's like, "Does a shay?" Because I'm really close to my mom, so we've talked about this podcast. She was like, "Does a shay work well when you're freaking out? Like, does he balance you out?" And I'm like, "Yes." And he knows like how to do it without me saying it, which is great. So, um, what was I saying? So, oh, there's this video. Yeah, there you go. Why are we here today? Why are we doing this? Okay. We're doing this because I met you, Danny. I met you five years ago, and we've gotten really close in that time. And last month, I found out that you have all these, like, you're a black belt and all this kind of stuff, and you teach self-defense. And these are things, like, I feel like I should have known, but we just skipped the entire small talk, getting to know each other, how's the weather kind of phase, and went right to the deep emotional stuff. So, in the spirit of that, fuck small talk. Fuck small talk. And so the topic we wanted to talk about today is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I have gone on a journey, but tattoos. My story is around cultural appropriation. Why do you feel so strongly about that this week? Okay. It's a journey. So come on this journey with me. All right. I'm with you. So I really wanted a tattoo my entire life, but I thought I don't want a lot. I just want one, but I want it to be so important to my life and so connected to something that was so powerful in how I grew up. And so I designed it myself, but it actually has a whole deeper impact on the world. So I really wanted to do a dream catcher. My parents all gave, and my parents are divorced and they don't like each other. So the fact that they gave me the same gift at separate households for birthdays and Christmas and whatever, was incredible, but it was dream catchers. So in both households, I always had the connection of dream catchers. They were on like every doorknob, they were on every like on the knobs of um, like your dresser. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of trouble sleeping. I used to have horrible nightmares, which I attribute to my insane creativity. So my brain was just like always going nuts. And so I used to have really, really vivid dreams that were horrible. And so I never used to sleep. And so these dream catchers were a way for my parents to start a conversation about the fact that there was something there that could connect to me and take my bad dreams away from me. And so I really loved them. They were super important to me, but I never understood the history behind dream catchers. To me, they were a decoration. So I designed this tattoo of dream catchers. It was going to like flow down my back. It was beautiful. And then I was going to do a word around the circle of it. That was a phrase my mom used to tell me all the time, which is also not correct to the actual quote that it's from. Um, but it was, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent is the actual quote. But my mom used to say, no one can make you feel inferior without you letting them. And it was like a way for me to take responsibility that I could feel the way I wanted to feel and who cares what everybody else thought. And as an insecure person who had issues growing up, like that was super helpful for me. So I wanted to get that written around the dream catcher. But then <laughs> I aged and I became more aware of the world and its history. And I was like, oh, that's kind of inappropriate. Yeah, dream catchers are super indigenous. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had no connection to the indigenous community, nor did I like advocate for them, understand the history, like understand my place in that. So now I don't want that. But you went from something that connects, that you're so well connected with, to not even wanting it. What happened? What, like, what's the middle ground? Well, there was a lot of people who heard my story and they were like, well, that's important to you. Maybe you should get somebody who's indigenous to draw it for you. So it's part of their tribe. You're representing a story that you can tell. Right. That was important. But then I don't want to do that for the people who don't ask me my story. I want to do it where... and and. Even though tattoos should be super personal, but I wanted something that, because I'm super sensitive to people's judgments, I was like, I want people to either know that it's appropriate or not. <laughs> so <laughs> I just decided we're scrapping the idea that I have had for, how old are you in grade eight? 
13. 13. 12. Since I was 13 is when I first had that idea. So I'm scrapping an idea that I've had for most of my life and evolving it, which kind of speaks to like how I've evolved as a person as I learn more things. So like maybe it's okay. I right. just, I'm just like, right. we're going to add that layer. Which is interesting because if you're saying that you've gone from an evolution of like being very much so like, hey, this is something I want, I'm going to go do it, to inc- incorporating other people's feelings about what you're doing into your into your decision making process that's a big evolution and for me that's not that's not a fact it's interesting because it's not a factor at all like my tattoo journey is so very different from yours i am in very very shortly i'm getting a tattoo uh that's been long already for two years and so your story was nice and inspirational but alec has deep connection to you and mine is not i'm getting a, a tattoo of tom brady's signature on my butt oh my god <laughs> and so the story of this what? The story of this is that I was um, doing a co-op term. I was in some rent. I was in Salinas, California, which is like a town of ninety thousand people. Which, by Canada standards, seems like all right. It's a decent town. Yeah, that's no. Huge. In California, that's like nothing. Like people, like we walked into a bar, like the bar, and there was like twenty people in there, and every every single person turned and looked at us as we walked in, and we were like, "Oh, it's that kind of place." <laughs> and so we're sitting there and we're watching the Super Bowl. And this is uh, when the Patriots are playing the Falcons, and it's halfway through the third quarter. And the Patriots are down by 25 points, which is Super Bowl record. And I'm a big Patriots fan. So I Snapchatted my friend saying, if Tom Brady pulls this off, I'm getting his name tattooed on my ass. And being the loyal, lovely friends they are, they, every single one of them screenshotted <laughs> it. And I was like, we're fully holding you to this. Lo and behold, Tom Brady pulls it off. He wins the Super Bowl. And bi-weekly reminders since then. That was, that was 2017 February. Bi-weekly reminders since then about hey man when are you getting this tattoo like what's up when when are you getting this so that's my like my tattoo journey has no meaning to me whatsoever like I don't personally connect to that tattoo it's a good story but it's not like a it's not like a heartwarming you know what I mean and it's different because I'm not appropriating a culture with it or I'm not being perceived to appropriate a culture but it's just like a, it's complete to me that tattoo means nothing but then there's this whole debate like if it's a form of artwork and you think of your body as a canvas like why can't I just put and okay this is not true for your example because it's not a pretty thing I mean Tom Brady's he's a pretty thing okay fair we'll go with that all right (laughs) but sometimes you just want to put something on your body because it has a connection like you just told me a story that is seemingly frivolous right it's from a stupid bed but it's a reason you connected with your friends they think it's hilarious you still talk about it to this day it's a funny story, and yes, it's seemingly meaningless, yet you're able to tell a story about it. Like, it still has meaning in your life. So, you it's your body. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like you just should have permission. And like you said, you're not appropriating a culture. So, like, why, like, why is that bad? Like, why is that less than somebody else's story? You know, that's a really good question, but I think that gets back at... The, the counter-argument there is, like, that's okay if I get Tom Brady to put on my butt. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, my argument, my tattoo is fine... If the person who that thing belongs to, which in this case is Tom Brady, if Tom Brady signs my butt with a tattoo gun personally, then that's the same argument. But you, but like what people are saying to you is that, hey, you can get this tattoo of a dream catcher if an indigenous person does it. I'm, I, I'm hearing a challenge here and like, let's find Tom Brady. And get him to do this for yeah, me. Yeah, like I'm hearing I, You have no arguments for me. <laughs> I'm not... Not convinced that if Tom Brady tattoos my butt, he'll leave his wife. But that's just that's just a different thing. That's, I'm just that's just a different thing altogether. So cultural appropriation, I think, is something that people go through a lot when they're and not even cultural appropriation, but just like representing some sort of story. Like, is it true to its its initial meaning? Like, what if I just want a pretty rose? Like, there's all of these decisions you have to go through. So I have a lot of thoughts on that. Your your situation where your thing has a meaning to you, and you know what it is. Like, you know what that a dream catcher is, and you know what its purpose is. It's very clear. That's very different than, like, when I see dudes walking around. Like, clearly people who don't know, speak, read, write Mandarin walking around <laughs> with tattoos of Asian scripture on them. Okay. And that, like, that bothers me. I'm like, tell me what that means. On your own. Like, if I just showed you a different piece of scripture, would you be able to tell me what that means? Okay. That's an issue for me. I have a really embarrassing story to tell. And I, I can't believe I'm putting it on a platform that I'm going to share with everybody who will listen. Does it involve a person? It involves myself. Okay. So, my really small town of, I think at the time, fifteen to 20,000 people, north of Toronto, 
had bears. So, you know, when you go to booths of like henna or like airbrush tattoos and they have all the pictures on the wall of like what you can pick. So I went into a booth at a predominantly white town and I went into this booth and I said, you know what? Give me a henna tattoo of a Chinese symbol. That is, that is the trifecta. Like, I think that's where the hashtag white people ruin everything came from. Like, I don't know that you could, I use this word sparingly, but I don't know that you could appropriate more cultures no. if you tried. A henna tattoo of Chinese scripture. Yeah. That's so horrible because some people, that is a huge connection to them. And I'm just like throwing it on my body because it looks pretty. Even, no, even like, even the medium, not just the tattoo, but the medium is a huge thing too. I'm of Indian descent to me. And to my family, like, henna's not a big deal. I know people, my mom has done booths at fairs where she just does henna for random people. And they're like, oh, put a car on my arm. And she's like, I, like, <laughs> I, sure, <laughs> whatever you want, man, your world, I'm just living in it. <laughs> but, but I know for some cultures it is. Like, I worked with this gentleman, we'll call him Wayne. Uh, <laughs> and after I tell you his origin, the name's not going to make sense. But Wayne, <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, Wayne was an islander. Like, his roots are, are from the islands on the Pacific and so we were talking about tattoos one day. I was in L.A. at the time, and so the bet happened. He knew about it. Um, and so he's telling me about tattoos and his experience with tattoos. And for him, it's a very different thing. Like, it's not, it's not because he has a connection to, like, the, the art itself. Or it, so for him, in, in that culture, getting a tattoo in itself and the medium through which you get a tattoo is a rite of passage. Like, when you become a man... Uh, Don't mind the thunder in the background there. Yeah. In the island culture, for as, as he's explained it to me, when you become a man, you get a tattoo. And that's just a rite of passage. And the medium through they do it through is with like an actual like like a like a pointed oh my God. arrow and then a stone and somebody just tattoos you by repeatedly piercing your skin. Aye, aye, and aye. so that but that entire process, it's not so much what's on your body, but it's that process of getting that done is a rite of passage. It's a, it's a passage of manhood. And so even the medium for me has a connection. Your henna story, well... That's just embarrassing. That's the deathly hollows of, of cultural appropriation. For sure. <laughs> but to That's me, a really powerful story, though. Yeah. And I, I never even, like, to contrast that, he, <laughs> he tells me this story. And I'm like, oh, totally. Like, I'm, I, I completely relate to you. I'm getting Tom Brady's name on my head. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looking at me. <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's not the same at all. But I understand the perspective of it. We don't currently have any tattoos on our body. Neither of us do. As we just preach for like 15 minutes about tattoos. Yeah. We both have plans to get tattoos. Yeah. How do you feel if I introduce our guest who has eight tattoos? Yeah, I'm in. Okay. So I'm going to introduce Megan. And I know it's a bit intimidating. We're just turning it over. It's okay. First podcast. No pressure. No yeah. pressure. Yeah. No, it's a chill There's environment. literal thunder and lightning in the background as like Not a way ominous. to add it's gravity ominous, yeah. to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hi. 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 Welcome Thanks for to having me podcast. on the podcast. And okay, so this podcast is all about stories and I want to learn about people's stories. So do you have a story to tell us? Yeah, sure. I mean, so first off, love what you're doing. Great. Because also I find it very difficult to have small talk conversations as well. So like a dutiful nerd before this, <laughs> before this podcast. And also because I'm super interested, I just looked up some of the history behind tattoos and so some things that I found out for context that were interesting. Oh my god, were, I don't know any of this. No, yeah. I got nothing. Okay, so one of, this, one of the interesting things I found is the Egyptians, like 2,000 years ago, there's lots of history about them having a, a culture of tattoos, but it was actually used for um, medicinal and therapeutic purposes and only women had them. They oh were God. white Whoa. and blue exclusively and used to treat conditions of the pelvis. Were the tattoos also In on the pelvis? Women. Yeah. What? Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. And then, so for the Greek and Romans, this was like 5th oh century BC. And like, we're not talking about tattoo guns. We're talking about people like like piercing your skin with... And that's yeah, therapeutic. And well, it's interesting <laughs> you say with the arrowhead, like I'm not sure what the operation was. Anyway, um, so the Greeks and Romans and also Chinese, it was a way for them to like mark their slaves. In European culture, in around like 1800s, it was a way to mark wealth because only access to people who had these tools to do this artistic marking. Oh, that contrast is insane it is right so from yeah. culture to culture when you're talking about like rites of passage and things oh like that it's just super interesting to me so like as popularized in the western 
world, really kind of picked up around the 60s and 70s. And Janis Joplin was, in fact, like a very mm. important cultural figure um, in moving the like artistic version of tattoos forward because yeah. she had something on her wrist, whatever it was, a heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but she became, especially as a woman, yeah. like this figure of what it was like as this artist to have this, you know, thing on your skin to say who you are and to have this, you know, visual representation. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting that with the Egyptians, sorry to interrupt you oh, there, yeah. no, the Egyptians with having it only for women, yet in my mind and my experience in the Western world, it was taboo for women. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is such an interesting thing. Yeah, like, I feel like there's a point in time, especially maybe 20, 30 years ago, where, like, tattoo on, on women was, like, really, like, oh, God, she's, she's loose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, tattoos on guys were, like, oh, he's tough. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that the Internet of Things with, like, totally illegitimate sources has much to say about, like, what it means if a woman has a tattoo. And some <laughs> totally illegitimate sources will tell you that it means that she has more risky sexual behavior. Mm, it means that she is, like, if she has four or more, it means she's super highly confident and she will have a successful <laughs> career. But why, though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy she's four or more she'll have a successful career it's a very precise number of tattoos i was just picturing like you going on a first date and the guy being like <laughs> okay many? hold on i just need to know how promiscuous you are like how many do you have like i see one peeking out of your sleeve yeah. like how many how are many more are there here? or like one like you know how there's like tinder for sugar mommies and sugar daddies yeah if there's a filter function by number of tattoos you can yeah. tell how successful they're gonna You're be like, in their lives i need i need four or more i, I set my filter to four plus i need a girl that has money to take care of me that's how i'm filtering for this is the tattoos i mean as an addendum i need to know more about this sugar <laughs> world i need to be educated on so the history of mine so I, yes as you said i have eight of them so my first one was one on my hip it is and we can definitely get into that because i have some thoughts and personal experience with cultural appropriation um so my first one is a tattoo chinese symbol of freedom got it on my hip um, at a super sketchy place in Grand Bend who turned their head when we forged the signature of our parents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was kind of like this secret that I carried around and it was, you know, this artistic symbol, but like kind of nobody knew about it but me. So that was my initial one that I just really Ooh. wanted this thing to own that felt very um, countercultural, but mm. also private. Um, then my second one was actually my, one of my, well, one of my biggest ones, arguably. Um, it is a, uh, another, <laughs> uh, Chinese symbol for faith on my back and it has two angel wings coming out of it. Um, my next one, two influenced by books and music, which are a huge part of my life, both of them. One was a free, a word from a book called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho and the word is maktub and it means it is written, so Arabic. Clearly haven't learned my lesson <laughs> about cultural appropriation quite yet, but did after that because my next one was uh, a lyric from a Bob Dylan uh, song, so a little bit closer to home. <laughs> Full circle here. <laughs> um, and that was after I saw him in a concert in New York, and it's No Direction Home. And we can talk about, very interestingly, it meaning one thing when I got it, and very different uh, after the fact. So mm. all of them have a little bit of that quality. Do you mind if I interrupt one more time? Yeah. Okay. So just, I know you from before this podcast started, and you've told me that you traveled a lot in mm. your life. And I'm just curious, like, like it's cultural appropriation now, and that's the discourse of conversation around any culture that's not your own and appropriating it. But, like, do you consider yourself, like, a world traveler and, like, that maybe a connection to some I mean I think that argument can definitely be made for example you go to Japan and live there for a year and then want to get something that's very specific to their culture as a representation of your time and experience with that I don't have that experience okay. so yes but not in this context okay I, feel I was just like curious because you've mentioned that before for sure um, yeah. So then after that, two yoga-related tattoos. So both not in my language again. <laughs> so the, I have one near my chest that says Atha E.T. That's the first and last words of the Yoga Sutras. They translate to now, that is all. So I got that right mm -hmm. before I did my 30-day mm -hmm. yoga teacher training as a way to finish. So on the last day of my teacher training, I got the word abracadabra on my right forearm, which translates to with my words I create. 
Um, so, Very fitting as a writer. Yes, and so on my writing arm, exactly. Oh. Yeah, and so it was a way for me, I think, really, you know, some recognition that the quality of which, um, the, the way that I choose the words that I am speaking when teaching really has the ability to create the circumstances for people to maybe grow or maybe change mm -hmm. or maybe mm -hmm. test, you know, their beliefs, things like that. So it just really, it's a reminder for me um, just to think about kind of the potential for the magic there. Yeah. Um, lastly, I have this little semicolon on my wrist. So for people who aren't familiar with the um, history of the semicolon project, it was created by somebody named Amy Bluewall and the idea was um, giving people in the mental health community a symbol for hope because when there was an option for a writer to choose you know, a period at the end of a sentence or a hard stop or a semicolon that would continue the sentence, this idea of choosing the semicolon was a way to say that that story keeps going. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me as uh, somebody with a history of mental health. And I found it was really, and it has been, um, a way for me to kind of locate an invisible community. So mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. having an interaction with somebody when I'm getting a coffee to see that they have the same tattoo and just to have this moment to say like, hey, nice tattoo, and yeah. have this exchange with no words, but some recognition that we're sharing something similar in our experience. And that's been um, probably out of all of them, the one that means the most to me because of interactions like that. And it's precipitated the most authentic dialogues, I think, as well. So, Every time I see it, I always like, it yeah. squeezes my heartstrings and I always want to say something. Also, as a person who struggles mm -hmm. with mental illness, like it's... Even for somebody without one yeah, yourself. Because, because know I know that that's means. a community. And yeah. I just admire people who, I want to say that this is my community. Right. And it's an interesting thing, I mean, especially in the nature of this podcast about, you know, the uh, whole topic of anonymity and putting yourself out there and what it is to be vulnerable and are there circumstances where that's not appropriate. So I think it's a very interesting conversation about what role tattoos play in that and putting your story out there and, and you know, what potentially, you know, conversations that can start for better or for worse. So that's my collective history. That's amazing. Mm. That's a lot. And it strikes me that your path is different from Danny's in that your first tattoo that might align with your perceived culture was your fourth one. Right. Right? Like you yeah. didn't, like you have, has, Danny, you have hesitated to even get your first one because you're afraid and you consulted with and you're afraid of this alignment, uh, misalignment with your culture and, and appropriating different culture. Whereas you went ahead and you have an Asian tattoo, you have an Arabic tattoo, and then you have your, right. your, your English one and your Bob Dylan tattoo. I want to say this, though. I want to say that just because something is in a different language, to me personally, just because something's different culture, doesn't mean it can't speak to you. For example, I know that, I know from my mom and my family and a lot of my Asian friends, that being having henna and having Asian tattoos and all those kinds of things, like, if you're willing to listen... By all means, they're, they're willing to help you get one, do one for you, they're willing to talk to you about it, but it's when there's no dialogue around, mm -hmm. like, hey, what do you think of this? Or like, when people don't understand or don't have a meaning, for me personally, like, that is not okay for me. Yours, on the other hand, have a meaning, and I feel like you consider them, and it's not like you're just getting a tattoo for the sake of getting a tattoo and being cool, like, you know? how someone might get a tattoo of a professional athlete's signature on their bum. <laughs> but your tattoos have, have like an emotional connection. And so I'm kind of torn on where does emotional connection trump cultural yeah. appropriation and where does cultural appropriation trump emotional connection? Because just between the two of you, there's two very different routes you guys have taken in regards to that. That's a whole thing. That was a big... Well, I, have, like... I mean, like what I'm thinking about with you is, I, so I'm a yoga teacher. I think I mentioned that already, but I was teaching this class where these, uh, I would say they're teenage, um, teenage Chinese girls came in and they were really timid and a lot of people are and they don't really want to talk to start um, after the class they came down to me and they both said we love your tattoo and I was like oh you know I've actually never had the opportunity to ask somebody uh, I think it means faith like does it because my mom's concern is always like they've given you something because they're like oh this white girl yeah. <laughs> um, and so I asked them, I said, I think it means faith. And she said, that's some equivalent to like, you know, one spirit. And I was like, oh no, they gave me the wrong. And she said, no, in our language, like that's the same thing. Oh, um, and I just okay. had this really real moment with these girls where um, I just felt like, I did have this emotional resonance and I was like, you know, it's okay because it feels, that feels more true for me now and I can own that. Mm -hmm. But to your point about like, even if an indigenous artist did design that tattoo, for an indigenous person to see that on your body out on the street without knowing that and having that context, they have a perceived opinion about you having that symbol. And so 
who's responsible, like, are you responsible yeah. for their reaction? So it's a very interesting... And, and that's what yeah. I... Do you feel responsible for their reaction to it? And so when I sort of alluded, when I had like a mini conflict as I was saying that story where I was like, it's supposed to be like a personal art form that you're like, ah, this is a symbol to me and my Because it's your soul. canvas. Exactly. It's your it's canvas. Your body is your canvas. body. Yeah. Sorry to yell about it, but I'm very <laughs> passionate about that. But I'm still so paranoid and like conscious of people and their thoughts towards my presence my brand what I put out there in the world and like let's say I put it on a place that's super visible like I did want to put it on my back so it probably wasn't but let's say that's still my choice I have a strong connection I get an indigenous person to design it I have done literally everything I could to represent something that's meaningful to me on my own body yet I'm still concerned about that perception and so I didn't I ended up ultimately like choosing something that I have wanted to get for so long to not get. Have you found a replacement? I have. It's And it's unfortunate. Like, I don't think it really captures as much as I had put into that first tattoo. I've done my best to try and symbolize. It's hard to, it's hard to compare it with when something comes from such deep roots in your childhood. Yeah, and it honestly yeah. took me a few years where I was like, do I even get a tattoo now? Because I said I only wanted one. Right. And so I was like, do I even get a tattoo now? Because I'm like trying to force a theme into an image that represents something enough to go against that mm. or to match mm. that other tattoo that I've thought of for like a decade mm. of my life, mm. right? And like, that's such a hard thing. But I was still, ultimately it was like, okay, you have to like not think about... Im- how I rationalized it in my brain is I was like, okay, I can't think about myself. Like, this is bigger than me. This is like a part of a culture that you happen to look like that oppressed another group of people. And so I was like, I personally cannot accept that responsibility of saying, I'm going to just like take your culture that we oppressed and like essentially genocided. Like, I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it on my body. It's interesting to me because that's, so for me, I've always wanted a tattoo on my like pack and shoulder area, symbolizing my family. And so my first thing, my friend was like, you should get a family crest. That's not really something Indian people yeah, do. No, that's white like, people. In, there's no family crest. Like, we just yeah, we got I, I a family know. crest. We, got a, we have a last name. That's our family <laughs> crest. And so that's like having a family crest is a decidedly United Kingdom thing. Like, it's a very UK concept. Those kind of royalties. Do you have a family crest? As red hair, I'm just assuming that you're Irish. Oh, I I may I I. I may need to do some homework in that regard. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably. I'm just always curious. I mean, my last name is Lamb, so maybe there's some barnyard animals involved. I don't, <laughs> yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe. And so I've always wanted something to symbolize my family. And I was like, oh, I should, my friends like get a crest. And I was like, is that? But my question to you guys is, if me, someone whose culture and country does not have any mm-hmm. kind of history of usage of, cost- of crests whatsoever, were to create Ooh. a crest of things that symbolize my family, in my opinion, and get it put on my body. Am I then appropriating the United Kingdom culture? No. Why not? What's the difference? So, I mean, and this might not be equivalent to my Chinese symbols or Arabic sayings either, but like in your example, in terms of indigenous culture, I think that there's something very real that you need to acknowledge about like privilege in your place. And so there are some things, for example, as a white woman that I know, I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of, you know, there's like, kids standing against a fence trying to watch a baseball yes. game. Equality versus equity. Yes. Exactly. Such and a so, great cartoon. Yeah, and so, I mean, and I get into dialogues about this all the time with people that don't understand what it is because, like, it is still quite recent in our collective history that women have had the right to vote, for example. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. When we talk about International Women's Day and people are like, well, where's the International Men's Day? <laughs> all and the so, other days. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, just to explain to people, like, it's still quite recent and therefore still in our subconscious culture therefore still in our collective mentality the way that we think about and treat this culture like we have some sense of responsibility to check our privilege and things that we think like in that capacity um you know are we okay if we check it against getting an indigenous artist and will it spark something in somebody on the street maybe our responsibility is to say this is me taking responsibility for this is still quite recent in our history and I need to be sensitive to the fact that it may. Yeah. While I don't think I'm personally responsible, I am part of a collective history and so mm-hmm. this is a thing. And so in your analogy, I don't feel like there's an equivalent and so I feel like you're okay with the crest. Yes. This is just interesting. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have yet 
to hear in history of white people being oppressed. <laughs> I have yet to hear it. I'm on that. I'm on yeah. that train. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. I mean, there's like civil wars in Ireland, right? No, that, that, that's, that's a thing, right? Civil civil war is literally within people, yourselves. I guess yeah. white people, so like not the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we have talked about, you know, so like I get the I get the question, and that's the only one out of all of mine um, that I feel like I want to cover up or change. The Asian ones, right? Yeah, okay. on my back. So yeah. my hip, like, cool. Nobody knows it's there. It's it's fine. Um, but be, especially because, like, this is very public. People see it a lot, right? Like, it's mm. right there all the time. And so I've been thinking about getting it covered. And, you know, I think I mentioned this before that a lot of them mean one thing when I get them and they mean something very different along mm. the way. When I got this, the idea of faith and the angel wings was some idea that there was some, like, ethereal energy out there, kind of like Ooh. benevolent something that had my back. Whatever that was, it was out there kind of like in my best interest happening outside of my purview. Now what I want to get it covered up with is like an image of water and the words ride the wave. So interestingly, Mm. I think um, this word, because I'm a super word nerd, um, this word palimpsest, uh, I have super... never heard that before, yeah. but I also, my vocabulary is very small. Oh, it's super interesting. So this idea is, it's a piece of writing where the original writing is um, scraped off or washed off so the page can be reused, but traces of the original writing remain after they write over it. Oh, so it's like layering history. Yes. So I want to replace the original faith tattoo that was like out there at the real big wings with a water tattoo that says ride the wave, which in some capacity is the same idea of faith. So we as humans are mostly water. The nature of Mm. water is to rise and fall, have a high tide, a low tide. And so this idea for me um, is an evolved idea of faith that to know the nature of water is to change. Um, to know that that's just to know that I have that nature about me and to trust the faith now is that that's just the nature and it will all level out and it's supposed to go high and low and I have everything I need within me. Mm-hmm. So it's much more tactile, much um, closer to home than kind of out there. So yeah, it's a way to evolve that whole idea and to cover over the cultural appropriation <laughs> thing quite literally. Um, but that's what I'm thinking about as like my next one. So yeah. No, that's really good. On a logistical question, not to take away from that beautiful story that is very well thought out, and it's interesting that like you've taken responsibility to connect those two stories and make it a bigger thing, but logistically do they actually remove the tattoo and no. then go over it or it's go just... over it straight yeah, up okay. Exactly. Oh, okay so what i'm thinking about that and i will need a good artist to tell me if it's possible that like you know maybe sections of the wing are still visible or mm. there's repurposed parts right. of the lines in the characters like that the can top be of the wing for something yeah. and, and, and like, yes it's covering something like a cultural appropriation thing but it's still being true like i love that word sorry mm. say it again yeah. palimpsest palimpsest yeah. okay and i'm I trying think to say that I, I love that metaphor of what it is to you know live with the mistakes quote unquote mistakes of who we used to be because i think it's very important recognition that like that ends up being a part of the context of the story about how you end up who you are mm-hmm. um and i think it's really important not to disown or gloss over those parts of yourself and to take ownership mm-hmm. over them so yeah i think it's something i'm still kind of working out but that's that's what I'm working with as an idea of like how to integrate those two concepts. Well, I think I think what's crucial in, in your decision to go over that tattoo isn't that you're doing it because you feel like you've made a mistake with it. You're doing it mm-hmm. because you feel like it means something different to you now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, totally. I think if you felt like it was a mistake, like mm-hmm. some people get their lover's name tattooed oh, on them. God. That's a clear mistake. That's bad. Y'all don't do that. Don't do it. But for some people that feel like it's a mistake, I feel like getting removed or getting going over it is is glossing over the fact that at some point in your life this meant something to you this was mm-hmm. you felt strong enough about this to get this put on you and that's part of who you are and you've learned from that mm-hmm. and so that's that's completely removing that from your persona mm-hmm. whereas for you it's because it means something different which i think is a more palatable um decision criteria for getting it written over yeah Do you know what i mean like because you make a great point about the fact that if we just shun that mistake that we made 
mistake in quotes. Yeah. If we shun that mistake that we feel like we made, it's not like it's it's not part of us. You're trying to remove it as part of your who you are now. But yeah. that you can't separate those two things. And like that that could be a whole connection to like white guilt is a big thing of like oh like I just have to be guilty and like shut up and like this whole like I don't understand but I feel guilty in this sense of like uh, ickiness that I don't know how to I like talk about or identify or have an open conversation but you're like no I have this open conversation I understand this is a journey I've I've gone on and and like it's become an evolution and like that speaks to like I I would assume that you've gone through learning opportunities in your life totally. where you have expanded your mind and like yeah. learn new things and I just it's crazy symbolism and I just think also there's I, I don't know this obsession with like I don't know clean up the history and now we know better and so we just want to always present the newest version of ourselves you and move on from what's happened in the totally. past and I think that's this is what that's a total different topic for another podcast but I think <laughs> this is what makes our relationships with family so tough because they know the collective history and mm. I think they probably get very attached to a, a previous version and they don't have the context for the evolution of the newer person that we're trying to be for example right and so maybe in some capacity they're always seeing us for the person that we used to be and it's very hard to be you know this new person without that previous history so it's a building I get block it. it's a foundational totally. building block you can't yeah. become this other person without the the foundation that is your old self yeah but I think, you know, and if you use the, I don't know, if you use a metaphor like addiction, like it, it, the recovery is not a linear cycle. So there's no point where you're not referential to a past part of you. Mm. I mean, you know, addicts say, my name is John, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic. It is an active identity because there's some recognition that that previous person, even if they're 26 years into recovery, is still an active part of their identity and informing their choices and the way that they live their life now. So I just think that there's something very interesting in that whole thing also. I, I would also, even just in this conversation, we've talked about an evolution of tattoos mm -hmm. and just like how it's changed and how people represent things important to them on their bodies and how much more conscious we are to like the stories they tell. And I just think about maybe historically in it could be cultures that that's part of their culture, but in how wars happened when it was mixing cultures with a very violent or like intense structure that was connecting them, mm -hmm. that you might have put something on your body related to like, I fought in a war or like, I oppress these people for my country or like, there's just like probably so much more. Um, you're, like, ta you're talking about markings that are identifiers, like tattoos and yeah. tattoos and markings as identifiers. Yeah. But now it's evolved into like this art form and like, I'm sure you can speak to this, but like we've accepted it in the work world. So like, it's so not violent and it's so not a, like, I can't, I, so you brought up accepting it in the work world and I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, I look, sorry, I'd like to hear your experience, Megan, because you do have eight tattoos and you, you are a working woman and, and you have experience with that. Um, whereas for me, I've had a lot of pushback from people that I know in my profession, right? in my profession, even. In my profession, I've had some pushback being like, are you sure you want a tattoo? Like, what are employers going to think about that? Mm -hmm. For context, I'm in finance. I'm an accountant. <laughs> and so accountants aren't the most lively people. Yeah. Is the perception? Like, I, mean, I think I'm the life boring. of the party. I was going to say you're kind of boring, but oh. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I guess if we're cutting small talk, then that's great. Thank you for telling me that. No, that, that was small talk. Was small okay. talk. Yeah, First time, <laughs> fake news. I'm just going to say put that That's fake news. Um, <laughs> but I think for, for me in my field, like, it's not, like, people are like, oh, if you get a tattoo, make sure something you can cover up at work. And for me, I my initial that. reaction is, why? Yeah. Why is that a thing? Totally. Have you heard that? Yeah. Like, I cover mean, up? Well, it's very interesting. So I'll just, I'll start my answer with that by saying, you know, when I got this lovely invitation to be on this pod podcast, I think one of the first questions was... Tell me exactly what it was about, you know, are you comfortable with or what degree? Well, of... I was like, if you want to be anonymous because X, Y, Z, like yeah. you don't have to justify the reason to me. I want to give you a platform to share a story, but that doesn't have to be linked to you are this person, you work here, you do this. Mm -hmm. And so if you wanted the choice to share your story, but not be referenced to your true name and identity, you can be completely anonymous and that's mm -hmm. your choice. 
So I offered that as an opportunity. Right. You know, so for context, I uh, was a fine arts student. And so for a very long time, I was a freelance artist. And, you know, the way that I dressed and the fact that I had visible tattoos actually added to my credibility. And people, <laughs> it, was a, it was a context that was very expected. Um, so in comparison to <laughs> accounting, I mean, like, you don't like, You don't want to no. be a creative accountant. Exactly. Nobody wants a... That's yeah. illegal. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, there's maybe maybe a case to be made that it's appropriate in some in some capacities. But I do think, you know, it's... It's always, regardless of the space I'm in, it's an invitation for curious people to ask, hey, mm. what does that mean? Um, whether and it's, it's in a professional capacity or not. And so, unfortunately, I'll have to quote Johnny Depp, who says it better than I do, yeah. that says, um, my body is my journal and um, my tattoos are my story. And so I think, for better or for worse, I think having this collective story on my skin is an invitation for people to ask me because I would much rather fuck the small talk and yeah. have somebody tell me, ask me, you know, like, tell me that story. I was going to say that's super interesting because you're saying your art on your body is a way for you to connect with people that want to learn more. So it's a connection point. And, then, and putting that in the context of business where if you had a client, that's a way, of, that's a potential way of connecting mm -hmm. with your client. Yes. Whereas thing, the verbatim thing that I've heard is like, what if a client sees your tattoo? They're not going to, client, clients aren't going to take you seriously if they see you have tattoos. And so I never even once for a second thought of like, that might be a way to connect with somebody. Yeah. You, if, if everybody kind of buys in this concept and it's known in the world that tattoos tell a story, tattoos say something about you, then that's a way for you to connect with the client. I'd never even thought about that. But it's an, it's an invitation for vulnerability, right? There's something very personal about saying like, this is why I have this on my skin. And I think there will be people that say that there are places where that's an appropriate thing to do to share personal information. And then maybe there's not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, w one thing that I'm working with the hypothesis on is that, uh, you know, there's a difference between, um, inappropriate and uncomfortable. And I think that yeah. knowing the difference between those two things is a level of discernment that you might only get with experience. And so I think that well that said. is the tough work yeah. of learning what it is to be vulnerable in a world, especially in a professional capacity that not only doesn't celebrate that, but doesn't even potentially recognize the value in that. And so, you know, um, I don't know. I think I'm kind of willing to be wrong on that one to try and develop out that life skill a little bit because I feel like the things I learn along the way will be a lot more useful to me than the anxiety I have to endure about whether or not I need to wear fucking sleeves to a meeting, <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. Just what I'm working with. That's so, a big fact. Well, well said. I could <laughs> not have said that better. Brilliant. And that's only because I think this idea that we need to be one person in one space and another person in another really puts parameters around this kind of connected being that we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I was going to say, I, I know we came to a place at the end of that conversation there where it's like, ah, I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure what the right reaction is in the right environment. But the fact that we get to potentially potentially use vulnerability as like a tool to get us mm -hmm. farther in life I want to be in that world so I want to be in that world of like a tattoo and a story behind it and a place that I like is so intimate to myself and like this thing that's on my body and I get to tell that story is such a vulnerable conversation that you can have with somebody but that might like you said Ashay like build connection like yeah. that gets us further because like people connections is important you know it's yeah. just like like it's a way, if you think of like the semicolon, it's almost a way to like call out an invisible tribe, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, it's interesting that you say that um, your semicolon tattoos is like an invisible tribe mm -hmm. because I think originally when tattoos were introduced to humankind, like that was, it's a, it's a marking of community. You're, you're one of us. This mm -hmm. is your family. And I think, I think there's a dichotomy when it comes to how people feel about tattoos. And I think the three of us here are a very interesting interpretation of that because mm -hmm. for you two, tattoos are this very intimate thing. So the dichotomy yeah. is it's either something that's super intimate to you and there's an intimacy attached to your tattoo and a vulnerability attached to your tattoo versus people who are like... Tom Brady on your ass. <laughs> Bingo. Versus Tom Brady. Yeah. That's not... That's not it. Like the only intimate part about that is my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an intimate thing. It says nothing in my personality. Mm. Uh, well, maybe it does. Uh, that hurts. That a could bit. be another podcast. That could be another podcast. 
it does, but it's not like a it's not like a deep connection and an emotional connection, mm-hmm. right, or a spiritual connection that I had to that tattoo. But, I, I still argue that it's still a story, and storytelling is super powerful. Well, that's why that's why I'm getting is because like that's a good story. That's a great I do story. feel like the likelihood that a stranger would stumble upon your Tom Brady ass tattoo and ask you questions about it is mm-hmm. much lower than somebody asking about my shoulder tattoo. You make so many good points. <laughs> so perhaps there's something Maybe. in location about all of that too. <laughs> but are tattoos inherently that's my question is that if we're talking about our bodies as a canvas and our, our tattoos mm-hmm. are art on this canvas are tattoos intimate and as an art form and by that same extension is art intimate in the same way well I mean that's sorry, a big that's a you, big question I'm you sorry you are an artsy person I'm interested in your thoughts about this well I was just gonna say uh, so I have this could be a separate thing, but I have white paint white page syndrome like I like to call it, where you stare at a white page and you're like, how do I even start? And this can be applied to writing, it could be applied to painting, oh, right. anything. Yep. But when you start, like I I love so my favorite art form is in charcoal uh, pencils to sketch in, oh, and cool. so that is very erasable. And so I have had so many pages in my sketchbook that I'm like, I don't want that representation of myself. I'm going to erase it. And so like, Hmm. it's a very intimate like story that I get to that final piece, but that's the final piece that I keep on the page. It's still an evolution to that final product that you put on your body. Yes, it can be funny. And yes, you can mess up. Like that's all part of art. And so I think even the mess ups, even the jokes, even the point, like when it's funny or like something we're all drawing or doodling on our notepads when we're 13, like it's still a part of art and still a part of like who you are and where you are in your life and how you're connecting to a story. So like to answer your question, I still think any form of a story artwork, no matter what evolution it is, no matter if it's cultural appropriation or if it's a stupid Tom Brady autograph, I still think it's art. Do you have a different line of thought no, on this? No, I, and I don't know if this is an indirect way to answer your question, but I think um, the only thing that comes to mind that might be relevant is, you know, I have all like words and maybe, maybe the fact that they were symbols and other languages with some acknowledgement for me that I felt like as a writer I'm always in the struggle where I feel like words are like always an approximation of what I'm trying to say like they don't quite get at it and there's something um I think quite beautiful about art just being a suggestion or an interpretation that people can kind of you know lay their own ideas on top of because you know uh we don't see the world as it is but how we are Mm-hmm. And so I think that art has a really interesting role to play in facilitating some kind of provocative um, interpretation for every different person in different capacities in that way. Like it's right. a facilitator. Absolutely. Um, it's it's yeah. definitely, it, it's it's a provoker of thought and of conversation. I think mm-hmm. it's a catalyst for a lot of thinking. And because art and tattoos are included in that, art is very interpretive to who you are as a person, right? You see Dreamcatcher, you see you think of one thing. Right. I see Dreamcatcher, I think of a very different thing, and I'm sure you think of a third thing when you see Dreamcatcher. Mm-hmm. And so things are very interpretive in art, and so I think you're right. Like, what you have on you is an expression of yourself, but I think also the way what you, you perceive art mm. is, a, is an expression of yourself. Yeah. And it also, I mean, to a point we've talked about a number of times, it changes over time. Absolutely. Right? Like, I my Bob Dylan tattoo... Um, I got at a time when I was, you know, wandering all over, literally all over the world and I just couldn't be contained in one place. And the literal, like like the literal line out of the song is, you know, like, how does it feel to be on your own with no direction home? I felt like this aimless Hmm. worldly traveler with no idea of what home meant and, um, never really had that feeling of belonging in a family structure. And, and over time it's come to be for me, a call to know, to, to, to know that there's no direction for me to get to. It's not about getting to a place. And home is a sense of feeling familiar. It's with people now. It's a sense of feeling at home in my own body. And so it's not out there. It's within. And so it's become a very different way of seeing this thing I thought was one thing at one time and now have it's evolved to mean something else. And I think art is the same way. You know, if you Absolutely. put something up on your wall, look at it every day, three years later, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, it means something totally different. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe maybe there's something to be said about that too as a canvas to like lay your development and growth and evolving ideas on top of and to 
yeah, attract some kind of progression in that way. This is a stupid throw-in, but, like, um, in pop culture, like, pop has become very tattoo-based. Like, I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but, like, mainstream male pop artists Yo, the beebs the beebs is tatted and i find that such an interesting evolution as like mainstream like like happy-go-lucky everybody listens to a pop is now being represented by this image of somebody completely covered in tattoos as a side note a quick survey and this two-person survey is in in no way (laughs) you're representative of sample sample size is real small sure as a data specialist you have feelings about this real small tattoos hot yay nay on a man yeah I lose my I mind. Concur. Although, although I have interacted with a guy who um, his his tattoo like hurt my soul in terms of cultural appropriation yes. so badly that I couldn't take him seriously, and so that's an interesting thing. But typically, what, what tattoo? What was his tattoo? You, you can't just say like you didn't just say what you just okay, said. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so he's brown. Yeah. And it was a very detailed tattoo, and it was a half sleeve that I couldn't, from where I was, tell the details of what it was. And so I asked him, I was like, what is this tattoo? And he said, it's some Chinese painting. And I said, mm, do you have a connection to it? Like, how, how do you feel about it? Like, what is it? He goes, it just looked good. And it was covering up an old tattoo. And I was like, what was the old tattoo? And he was like, oh, some tribal symbol. And I, I, I just couldn't. Like, I was like, I have checked out of this conversation so quickly. It's not lost on me that all, and again, this is in no way representative. We're coming full circle on this cultural appropriation we conversation. Are. Oh, we yeah. Are. <laughs> it's not lost on me in this very small, now including that boy, four-person sample size here, <laughs> that the people who have, who feel intimacy related to their art and their tattoo, mm-hmm. and, uh, and feel this deep connection to their tattoos, are two people that are female. Oh my goodness. Versus the two people that aren't. I did wonder this, but I didn't want to draw a gender conclusion since the sample size <laughs> is so small. I'm not drawing a conclusion whatsoever. It is an interesting tidbit to point out. Indeed. But does that have we a rec- lot to do with the that ge- heteronormatively uh, that gender is comfortable with vulnerability? I will offer a provocative mm. thought into Ooh. the conversation and Love say it. simply tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because yes. <laughs> the best is if you like so see the thong on the top of that, just right. like outlining the tattoo. Yeah, yes, it really you, sends a message. Yes, the context does. Yeah, help so, the whole picture. Yeah. I would say that the sample size is too small to make that conclusion. Okay, so to even to bring do you up have a comment on the tramp stamp of men? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think location of tattoo is crucial. Okay. <laughs> For example, scripture as a tattoo, totally cool. Scripture on your lower back, not cool. True. Specifically mm-hmm. for those intimate times, no matter what your orientation is, ain't nobody trying to read the Bible while they're getting down. You know what I mean? That's not yes. a situation. I'm not trying to flip through John 3.16 as as we're doing what we're or doing. like children's names also. Yeah, I don't... Wrist I, that's, maybe? Wrist maybe, but back. lower back? No. Oh, Or even ew. like lower abdomen, pelvis area yes. tattoos. Like, oh. I think those are... Like, you gotta be selective. I'd be uncomfortable as a child of a parent who did that. Oh my God. Would you tell your kid? point about like it's it's interesting coming back to this idea of like this dream catcher and this thing that meant so much to you like have you thought about that maybe location plays into it i mean if it's something that you have you know on your ribs and it's not something that people would see Mm -hmm. but it's something that you have it's personal just thinking back to like my hip tattoo is something that very few people would see it's much more personal and a part of my history that's private um so i don't know if that plays into the whole idea of a canvas and I was just going to make a really stupid joke and be like, hashtag Coachella, everybody's going to see that. Like, I'm going to put on my little bandeau top Mm -hmm. and like, everybody's going to see my little dream catcher and they're going to be like, oh, that white girl's culturally appropriate. Do you feel like the crowd at Coachella is the people that are going to be like this white privilege? (laughs) Well, that's where like, they are the activists. I honestly think that's where the conversation of cultural appropriation hit mainstream media. Oh my Coachella. god! Those Ooh. indigenous headdresses people wear at Coachella. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, in, in, 
that's your crowd, then, like, maybe this is the people that don't care. <laughs> it's like a double-edged sword where you have, like, tons of activists there who are like, I just want to be a part of my identity and just, like, mm-hmm. live in this, like, sort of drug haze I was and music say. and just, like, live in my peace. But then there's the people who are like, uh, for the gram, hashtag, like, let's pose for, like, 20 minutes, get a flamingo inflatable in mm. here, like, look at my trance stamp. Oh like, there's God. two personas who go to Coachella. Act. <laughs> I feel like this is becoming a whole It's a Coachella topic. podcast. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Anyways, it's its own entity. We can circle back. Okay, so I'm going to propose a potential thing on the fly of how to close this conversation on tattoos of something that you want to say, one word or a phrase, if you had to give somebody advice who was mm. debating a tattoo, what's a word or a phrase that you would tell them? You go first. Wait, can you ask that question again? Yeah, that is a lot of okay. words. So somebody's debating getting a tattoo. What's the advice? And you have to give them advice, but I'm saying give it in a phrase. That's that's a lot. As a side note, before I say my phrase or word, okay. I one thing we didn't talk about that I feel like we should talk about just to get it on yep, yep. this situation, if we choose to use it or not, is the perception of tattoos today versus 30 years ago. Because I think there's a I lot. I we did talk about that, didn't evolution. we? I think we talked about it before the mics were on. I mean, like, when we started off oh. talking about Janis Joplin, like, that that's was really, true, yeah. that was a symbol of counterculture. Yeah. Whereas I think, like, now... It's very it, much mainstream. Well, and, but also, yes, and also still in some professions, like, accounting, probably still not totally... Yeah, and so maybe it's environment-specific. And I think, yeah, I think environment-specific people see it as a sign of rebellion or as, as a sign yeah. of negativity for some reason yeah. or like they make judgments about it but i don't think as a whole i hope society can move forward with that thinking where it's not it's just an expression of and i find mm. there's something generational and like you know i think my parents were waiting for that that time when the phase of the tattoos was passed mm. yes mm. right mm-hmm. yes as if it were a thing that in maturity i would come to know is just like no longer an active state of doing things yeah um and yeah, that's just not true for me. I don't think that you, there is an age bracket where it's tattoo time and no longer tattoo time. Well, um, it's like saying like, oh, I hope the day when like painting goes away. Like if you, it's a form artistic, of art. Yeah. Like art is always going to exist yeah. and we're always going to find different canvases. People paint their murals on walls. They paint murals on buildings. It's canvases. It's your body. Like, mm-hmm. Body art has been something that's like always existed, so I don't think that's ever going away. Personally, I'm just trying to think about how to answer your question. Do you have an answer to this? I think I do. I'm. I've as we've been talking, it's been floating around the back of my head, and I'm kind of circling like a shark around what I want to say, yeah. but I haven't quite. Fo- I've been able to articulate it yet. I like that. Do you What's know? your answer? Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's okay. I am obsessed with flowers and like just the petals and like how it looks. It was something I constantly drew everywhere in all my sketchbooks. If someone, if I just wanted to put like an array of flowers on my body and someone were to say, that's okay. Like it doesn't have like a really huge meaning and a connection. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like it always comes back to me of that comfort of somebody saying it's okay. Mm. I think I know what my phrase would be. Okay. My phrase would be do it for you. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. I think that would be my phrase because I don't, like, and to clarify one thing that I haven't explicitly said, mm. I fully want Tom Brady's signature on my butt. I think that's hilarious. Mm. I think that's a good story to tell. I think it says a lot about me and who I am and where I was in life at that time and mm. kind of my sense of humor about the entire thing. But I think Do It For You basically really says everything that needs to say because it, it, it fits for your example of the, of, the, of the dream catcher. Like, that's for you. You have a story about that. You have a deep, deep emotional connection mm. to it. It's for you. That art, it's an expression of yourself. It's for you. Yeah, it's your true. canvas. It's not somebody else's canvas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like your that. canvas. Do it for you. I want I want my family represented on my body in some in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it so my family's like, oh, look, we're on your body. All the people that I'm trying to get on me are dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not doing it for, mm-hmm. it's do it for you. Yeah, yeah. I like Don't that. Don't feel like you have to be somebody else's canvas. You're your canvas. Totally. I mean, I'm sure that I will think of something much more insightful, but immediately what comes to mind is be prepared. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's so insightful. Because I think as somebody who has them, just, I mean, be prepared to have an opinion because people will ask you. Yeah. Um, be prepared to, you know, be certain about a decision when you're 17 and then at 35, 
be prepared to maybe think, uh, be humbled by the idea that either you were wrong or you need to evolve the idea that you had originally, Mm -hmm. um, be prepared to encounter stigma, be prepared to not be able to resolve certain people's opinions about what you have on your body. Yeah. Um, that's, that would be mine. So good. Yeah. I want to thank you so much, Megan, for being a part of this first episode. (laughs) So honored. It's the first one. I hope you'll have me back. That was really, like, I feel like there's a, a huge range of things we can talk to you about. And also, that was really engaging. Great. Your vocabulary, I was like, yo, I could listen to you for hours. I felt like you guys were very hilarious, and I might be biased, but <laughs> I would listen to Buck Small Talk, and you all should, too. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So before we wrap up the episode, we wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend, Ada, for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram, at AidaSoLive. That's at A-I-D-A SoLive. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at SoundCloud.com forward slash AidaSoLive. That's SoundCloud.com forward slash A-I-D-A SoLive. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom, love you.